I believe this morning God wants to give us an invitation. Um, so we have sort of off and on over this year, mostly on rather than off, we've been covering the Gospel of John. And um, in that Gospel, the first 12 chapters are all about Jesus's public ministry. So it covers two and a half years as he goes hither and thither, up and down the byways and highways of um, Israel. And he is proclaiming the kingdom of God and what he's come to do and the message, the alternative life that he's offering, performing miracles, displaying the Father's love, and generally bringing in the kingdom and a whole new era. And then we get to a little um, number, uh, uh, a few chapters, chapters 13 to 17. So that we've had 12 chapters covering two and a half years. And then we have four whole chapters covering um, a few days or a, a few weeks. And in that time, what Jesus is doing is he's gathered his nearest and dearest. He's gone away from the crowds. He's gone away from public ministry. And he's gathered his family like we're gathered here. And he's saying, guys, I'm not going to be with you for much longer. It's coming very quickly now where I'm going to be put to death and I'm going to return to the Father. And in this time that we have together, I want to tell you, I want to prepare you for how to live here on earth and carry on the work that I've begun while I am not with you. And so these four chapters are really, really precious. They're one-to-ones with Jesus about to how to go forward doing what he began. And so in John 13, he starts by um, washing the disciples' feet. It's really interesting what Jesus tells the disciples at this time. He doesn't come with a, um, you know, like the CEO of a company, right, well, year one, I want you to do this. And year two, Peter, you do that. And Philip, you do this. And somebody else be in charge over there and hire the biggest synagogue. And he doesn't do any of that sort of planning. He just tells them how to be themselves. So he starts with washing their feet. And then in the rest of that chapter, he predicts to them, I'm going to die. And he also tells Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. But it's all going to be all right in the end, pal. We're going to get there. Then in John 14, he speaks about, um, when I'm gone, there will be trouble. But hang on to your peace. Keep hold of it. Do not let the enemy steal it. And Last time we were in diving deeper, that's what we were talking about. How do you hang on to your peace, come what may? Uh, And especially in the face of trouble. And now here we are today at John 15. And in John 15, when he's talking to the chaps, there are three things that he talks about. He talks about, in John 15, 1 to 11, he talks about his relationship, their relationship with Jesus ongoing. And um, he talks about how they are to relate to each other. 
And then finally, he talks about how they're to relate to the world when he isn't with them. And today, what we're going to look at in John 15 is just those first 11 um, verses about how, when Jesus is not here, how they are to relate to them. So if you have a Bible, electronic or otherwise, um, if not, I think it's going to come up on the screen. It's not going to come up on the screen. Um, so I will read it to you. So I'm reading from the NIV. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy, uh, my joy may be in you, and so that your joy may be complete. So, in this, um, oops, in this uh, passage, there are three um, players, if you like. And the first one is the vine. There is a vine who is Jesus Christ. And God uses this metaphor to explain how things are going to be when Jesus has died. So Jesus is going to remain as the vine. And in viticulture, apparently, um, that's the taking care of vines, the grapes that you get are dependent almost entirely on the quality of the vine that you have. So Jesus is saying here, I am the vine. In the same way that he says, I am the bread of life, or I am the living water. He is saying that 
I am the source of all life, which is what Heather was saying when she was pointing to that galaxy that's 13 billion light years away or something like that. Jesus' source of life is so vast that he is the source of life. And um, let's just see here. Um, and then the, the second feature of that passage is there's another player, which is the father. And it says there that the father is the gardener. Now, the success of any um, fruit is also dependent on the skill and the quality of the gardener. So, we have Jesus as the source of life, the best source of life, which can produce the best grapes. Then we have the Father, who is the best gardener possible. And this gardener um, does two things. He goes around his entire vineyard and he cares for each and every branch individually. And he does two things, we're told in the word. He prunes dead wood. So he goes to each and every branch and prunes any dead wood. He also cuts away areas that are incredibly fruitful in order to make them more fruitful. So this is what I want to draw out here about the gardener. The gardener does not tend any branch in anger. When the, the gardener comes to each and every branch, he deals with that branch on a totally individual basis, irrespective of what any other branch is doing. He looks at that branch and he says, wow, they're doing really well here. I'm just going to cut that back a bit because if you leave fruitful vines, um, they will just grow woody. And in the end, they won't produce any fruit at all. All the energy goes into growing wood. So instead of letting the wood grow and be rambly and get out of hand, he comes to individual branches where they're fruitful and he trims them back. Or he comes to individual branches and he might see, mm, my goodness, in that branch, in that place, there is some dead wood. And dead wood can harbour disease and can be really, really harmful if left untended. So the gardener looks at the branch and says, hmm, there's dead wood there. I don't want this branch to be diseased. I don't want it to wither and die. I want it to prosper and be the very best branch it can be. And so he cuts out the dead wood. He doesn't cut it out because he's angry. He doesn't come and say, eliminate that branch, dead wood. That's not his. He says, I want this branch to flourish. So I'm going to cut the dead wood out. It's also worth noting, every single branch has dead wood. 
and every single branch is pruned. It's not like there's one branch, oh, well, this is the golden branch, and this golden branch never needs pruning, never has dead wood. There is no such thing. Every branch needs pruning, and every branch has dead wood. And the Father tends it carefully and gently and lovingly so that it becomes the most fruitful, vivacious, succulent vine possible, absolutely full of life. And then the third player in this metaphor is the branch. And the, the parable goes on to say that the branches are individual children of God. When Jesus is talking to the disciples, it's each and every disciple. And he says to them, um, you know what? Every single one of you is clean because of what Jesus has done. And every single branch is to be grafted into the vine. There is absolutely nothing once Jesus has dealt with us. There is nothing on this earth that can stop a branch, every branch, being grafted into the vine because every branch is clean because of what Jesus said. And where the branches are grafted into the vine, fruit is a natural byproduct. It happens almost all by itself because it's dependent upon the life-giving sap flowing through the vine. It's dependent upon the skill of the gardener. And as a natural and normal byproduct, every single branch will produce fruit. 30, 60, a hundred times, we're told in another parable. Um, it's not, again, that there's some branches. Well, they're favoured branches. You know, Heather Lincoln, she is such a golden child of the Lord. Well, she can bear fruit. But, you know, Trevor, well, he's not a golden child. Sorry, Trevor, you are a golden child. He's not going to bear fruit. Every single branch is totally equal. Every branch will bear fantastic champagne grapes. Um, the only thing it depends on is, is it connected to the vine? That is the key. Um, Okay, so um, I just want to look then, if that's the case, if Jesus is the very best vine possible, if the Father is the gardener, and we are the branches, what is Jesus trying to teach his people and invite them into and invite us into this morning? And I believe he is saying... I want to invite you into remaining um, 
totally and constantly attached to the vine so that each and every one of you in whatever area we are serving in will bear much fruit. And so he gives this command to the disciples. He says several times in that passage, remain in me. Now, we've looked at what the vine's job to do is, and we've looked at what the gardener's job to do is. But it's the responsibility of the branch to do the remaining. It's not the responsibility of the gardener to so put duct tape or whatever you might put around the branch to keep it in the vine. It's not the vine's job to keep hold of the branch and not let it go. It's the branch's job to make sure that we abide, remain in the vine. But sometimes I think what happens, well, certainly in my life anyway, and I can look back and see, my goodness, I've really got this wrong at times. But sometimes my energy as a believer has not focused on remaining in the vine. I could have probably, over, I've probably spent years actually working incredibly hard to produce my own fruit. So maybe I've, you know, tried to be a good Christian. Maybe I've tried to be loving or tried to be kind or tried to be evangelistic or tried any number of things. And I've put all of my energy into trying to bear fruit of my own, which actually is neither use nor ornament. Instead of putting my energy into, well, how am I going to abide in the vine? Or the other thing I've done is I've probably spent an equally large amount of time trying to be the gardener. And so I will say things like, oh, Lynn, you know, you've got a really stinking attitude in that area. And so I try to write myself. I try to, um, you know, not be judgmental or not be unloving or ungenerous. And I sort of self-regulate. Or I say, oh, well, Lord, you know, Becky would be much better at doing that than me because look at me. I've got this hardwood and that hardwood and the other hardwood. Lord, choose Becky. And so actually I disqualify myself from what God is doing. But the invitation this morning is completely different. Jesus is saying, every one of us, in this family, what he's wanting to establish here is him at the centre as the vine. And every single one of us to put our energy into abiding and remaining in him. And then what's going to happen is the fruit coming out of this family is going to be so succulent and so tasty 
and so delicious to a world that is dying and starving, people are going to flock here to say, how can I get fruit like that? So the invitation this morning, the thing about the Bible, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find the Bible really annoying. And I just think, Lord, I would so much rather that you had written a textbook. And, you know, there was a chapter on how to remain in the vine. Step one, step two, step three. Yep, got it. But actually, just before he goes to the cross and he's trying to instruct the the disciples, all he says is, remain. But there isn't an instruction manual as to how to do that. So he leaves that up to us, if you like, to reach into him and to learn, well, how do I abide in the fine? So the, quest, the first question this morning, which I want us to discuss, and I'm taking far too much time, is how? How do you abide in the vine? How do we do it? And we've found in diving deeper, when we've had discussions over things like this, well, it's been so amazing. You know, Elizabeth might say, well, she does this. And I think, wow, that's a really good idea. Or somebody else says, you know, I struggle with that. And I think, well, I struggle with that too. And that's usually a great relief to find I'm not the only one. But it's together that we're going to learn how to do this. The other thing I want to say is, um, how do you abide in the vine? So Gerald and I are very different personalities in lots of ways. There's lots of harmony, but lots of difference as well. And how Gerald abides in the vine is completely different to how I do it. So what works for you? Because it's no good me standing here and giving a whole, you know, half-hour chat on how you should abide in the vine, because all I can give you is my experience. But, you know, Phil's completely different to me. Haley's completely different to me. So what works for you? Um, And then, and I know this is too much to cover in one day, um, If we're going to be a people who abide in the vine and put all our energy into that, what boundaries do I need to put in place in my life so that I can abide in the vine? But if I choose to do that, then I have to say no to some other things. So if, say, for example, I'm going to have some time, um, perhaps early in the morning, well, I have to go to bed at an earlier time in the evening and you know I might not be able to go to a certain social function or whatever but the thing is all of that is completely in my control we choose what we do we set the boundaries for our life and this morning Jesus is saying set boundaries so that you can come into this life-giving presence and remain there And then thirdly, just another question is, you know, the Bible says fruit is certain. Well, what does that fruit look like? How do I know if I am being fruitful? What does fruit look like? It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? But these questions with this passage, it is really worth perhaps over the next six weeks thinking, drilling down into the word and thinking, well, what would that look like for me? And, you know, 
We're going to have loads of testimonies, I believe, like Jenny's this morning and all the people working at Wolverham. That is fruit of abiding in the vine. And then finally, you know, what does pruning look like? Have we individually experienced pruning? Is pruning, do we fear pruning? If we're feeling, if we're feeling pruned, do we think it's because God is angry with me? Do we need to rearrange our thinking there? So anyway, these are just a few questions. Could you maybe just give those out? So I wondered if we could just take some time around the table where you are and begin to look at some of these questions and just start a discussion. And then maybe we're just in 10 minutes or so, we'll come back and see if we've got some helpful answers um, that could instruct the rest of us. Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church podcast. If you'd like to take part in the questions that Lynn's asked at home, you can find them in the podcast notes and I'll also read them now. Question one. When looking at how I remain in the vine, what are the steps I take consciously or subconsciously to ensure I do remain? Question two. What boundaries do I need to put in place so that I remain in the vine? Sometimes it comes down to saying a yes to something or a no to something. To what extent do you find this easy or hard to do? Question three. The Bible says that if I remain in the vine, then fruit is certain. What do you think this fruit looks like in your own life currently? And what fruit would you like to see? And question four, have you ever experienced the gardener's pruning? How did it feel? And what were the long-term outcomes? Feel free to chat these through with your life groups or get in touch with one of us at the church by emailing church at northgate.org.uk. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.